Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, episode 158, and we are bringing you all of the good stuff you are going to want to hear from UFC Wichita. That's right, this weekend, UFC Wichita on ESPN+, and we've got interviews with two main card fighters. First, we'll be talking with Benil Dariush about his upcoming fight with Drew Dober, and we'll be talking with Blagoy Ivanov about fighting Ben Rothwell coming off his big layoff. All that, plus towards the end of the show, we will be breaking down the odds for the main card of this fight. There are three favorite fights off of it and one underdog pick that you might want to target. Plus, as always, we run around the league with all the latest news in the world of MMA and give you one of our combat countdown top five. So you're not going to want to miss any of that, but before we get to any of it, We need to remind you that this episode is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. ADK Fightwear is a family-owned business nestled in the Adirondack Mountains of New York that gives you high-quality jujitsu gear at low, low prices. Look, if you do jujitsu, you know, and you've probably searched the internet for affordable jujitsu gear that's not going to pill or fall apart or rip at the seams as soon as you put it on. And I've tried all that gear, too. Trust me. I've bought some from some sketchy Taiwanese uh, rash card dealers and, and all of a sudden the, the stuff is completely falling apart at the seams. It's gross and pilly. The graphics don't stay on. ADK Fightwear is not that company. ADK Fightwear brings you high quality stuff. I've had the same ADK rash guard for months and months and months. I've washed the rash guards over and over and over again. The colors don't fade. They don't pill. They're strong at the seams nonstop. So you're going to want to check them out at adkfightwear.com. Make sure you use promo code TURTLE, T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase. And you are going to get rash guards as low as 20 bucks. So you're not going to find a deal like that anywhere on the web. Check them out. ADK Fightwear. ADK Fightwear brings you this interview with Benil Dariush and Blagoy Ivanov. Before getting to the interview with Benil Dariush, just a quick editor's note here. This interview was taped before Calvin Gastelum versus Israel Adesanya uh, was officially announced. So as a result, some of this information may not seem so topical anymore, but we decided to include it anyway for your enjoyment. Enjoy. Daniel Gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today I have the pleasure of speaking to Benil Dariush, who fights Drew Dober at UFC on ESPN Plus 4 in Wichita on March 9th. So, Benil, I, I wanted to start off talking about uh, Calvin Gaslam because I know you're one of his training partners. Sort of what was your thoughts about what went down at UFC 234, and uh, how's, how's Calvin bouncing back from that? Uh, I haven't seen Kelvin because he has, he hasn't gone. Uh, I think he just got back yesterday, and I think he just crashed out because the flight is uh, so long. And uh, I'm just bummed for him. I know he was really looking forward to this fight, and to be honest, uh, I had to spar with him a few times for this fight, and and it's the best he's ever felt. He felt the sharpest. So, and I know he went through a really tough camp. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm just bummed. That's the best way to explain it, and, and I'm hoping the DOC is going to make this right. Yeah, and I, I was going to ask you too about how he looked leading up to it too. Um, it you know obviously you mentioned there that he sounded or he looked as good as he ever has. What particularly looked so awesome about him? What what made him look tougher than he has in other camps? Uh, his uh, his timing was uh, was the best, and I I think that was the best timing I've ever seen from him. He was in and out. And uh, 
his speed, his power, everything was there. I, I, I spent a lot of time sparring with Kelvin and, you know, it's the little things that make a difference and, and every little thing was on point. Well, that's certainly great to hear. And I know you said that you're hoping they do the right thing. What what are you hoping for Calvin for his next fight? Are you hoping, uh, you know, he gets rebooked with Whitaker down the line? Are you hoping for an interim something? What what would you like to see happen to him next? I definitely don't want to see an interim uh, champion. I want to see him fight for a belt. And I, I know there's lots of options out there as far as maybe they strip Whitaker or don't strip Whitaker. But if, if they strip Whitaker, then Calvin is obviously going to be the one fighting for the belt against somebody else. I don't know who. But And if they don't strip Whitaker, I think Calvin should have the first shot at him. Yeah, that certainly makes a lot of sense. I, I, I'm sure a lot of people out there agreeing with you right now. But let's get on to your fight, though, because I, I think it's important to, um, to talk about the fact that you do prepare with somebody like Calvin Gastelum, who is so big. And here you are up against an opponent in Drew Dober, who who is a big guy himself. You know, there's been talks about him possibly moving up to 170 pounds. He's sticking here at 55. Is You know, obviously with Calvin preparing you for somebody that big that's a big help but with him out of camp what are you doing to prepare for a guy as big as drew dober uh he uh drew is bigger uh, he's a little bit shorter but he is a bigger guy uh, just like you said calvin is a great partner and i'm sure calvin's going to be back to training so I'm, i won't be long before i'll be training with calvin but the the other thing is, I have a lot of great training partners, man. Kings yeah. MMA, uh, we have some of the best guys in the world, and and just uh, just having those guys, it's been real helpful. One of the guys that helps me all the time is uh, is Marvin. I don't know if you're familiar with him, Marvin Vittori. Mm-hmm. He he's just a beast of a man, and and I get to train with him on a regular basis. I uh, I have Arthur and, and uh, Giga, some of these guys are glory fighters. So I have some of the best strikers. I go to Homo Bahau in Northridge, who is, uh, he's five-time black belt world champion, and uh, he's one of the goats of jiu-jitsu. So I'm getting some of the best training uh, I've ever had. So uh, as far as being prepared, that's not going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. So, and you mentioned there too, that a lot of the guys I noticed you mentioned, you know, with Vittori and Gasmo, they're, they're both 185 pounders. Do you train mostly with guys who are way bigger than you? I try not to, but uh <laughs> seems to just work out that way. I don't know what it is, but Marvin calls me every day for training. He won't leave me alone. And uh Calvin is just, you know, any opportunity I get to spar with him, I'll take it. Uh He does resemble my opponent. And, uh yeah, I mean, I got guys my size. It just, for some reason, it works out that way. Well, that that certainly is not a bad way to prepare. Now, I, I want to talk about, <laughs> about your, your last win here because you got into the win column after being three fights without a win. You went, you know, 0-2-1 in kind of a rough patch after being on, a you know, a pretty damn good streak for a while. How, how did you sort of deal with that skid? In, uh, w- was it difficult or, or did you sort of feel like you knew it was going to turn itself right back around soon enough? Oh, man, it was terrible. The, the the skid was terrible, and and the, the thing is, I felt like I was improving, but uh, for some reason, it wasn't it wasn't uh, translating in the fight. So, uh, I, I obviously I had to make some changes. But one of the things through is, is scripture. I always go back to my Bible. I spend time there, and it just helps me reset and move forward. So that's certainly good that, to keep you in your mental space. Now, I know you said you had to work on some things to make yourself feel better, too. You know, obviously, that's a way that you worked on it mentally. Was there something physically you felt like you needed to change? Um, I, 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 more rehab, to be honest. Uh, I, I'm, 
I'm one of those guys who uh, I, I'm just always training, and sometimes I forget to take care of my body. I spend more time taking my uh, care of my body the uh, last six months, and it's just been really helpful. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, certainly. So, and then after your fight with Tiago Moises, uh, you know, back in the wind column, finally, is, is there a sense of relief here, or just like a sense of eagerness to get back in there and build on it? To be honest, it, it, just losing in general never crosses my mind. So, just those two years, it, it's been, it was really difficult. Now that I won, the idea of losing again is just. I, I don't want to lose, man. I, I want to go out there and I want to just dominate whoever I fight. I, I don't have any interest in losing. I do whatever I can not to. So with that being said, I don't know if there's a sense of relief or whatever it is. I, I've never had that as a competitor. I've always wanted to fight the hardest uh, the hardest possible matchups and, and, and do my best and not lose. So, yeah, I don't I don't know if there is a sense of relief. And and now obviously with a win against Dober you'll be back up to two and zero. You know you you were ranked not all that long ago. Um, you know you said you want to fight the best in the world. How close are you to being back in that upper echelon with a win over Dober here? That's a good question, man. It just depends on. Uh, actually, I don't even know who does the rankings anymore. Like how how they're decided, but that just depends on uh, how they rank Dober. And who I get next. I, I think whoever I get next is going to be the deciding factor. If I get someone who's uh, close to the rankings or is ranked, then it's uh, it's definitely a possibility for me to just jump back in there. Absolutely. So now, obviously, um, you know, before I, I let you go here, I wanted to ask you a question. I saw on your social media recently you visited some troops in the Middle East. What was that experience oh, like? Yeah. And sort of uh, tell us a little bit about how that came around to be. Yeah, my friend uh, Jake, Jake Elmberger, he hit me up and was like, "Hey, you wanna you wanna go? Uh, we're gonna be visiting Kuwait." And uh, I was like, "For sure, let's do it." Uh, to be honest, I didn't really know what to expect, but it was one of the best trips I've ever been on. We we got to work with the bomb spot. I got to work with the dogs. We got to go out there, and uh, they gave us like simulations to do uh, uh, with the weapons and. Uh, just we got to do everything they get to do without having to go through all of the work they got to go through. We got to see some of the Apache uh, helicopters. I mean, we we got to see so much, man. It was it was amazing. And then on top of that, all these guys wanted to do was either roll with us or ask some questions or hang out. So for me, hands down, one of the best trips I've been on. I would love to do it again. Well, it's certainly great to hear you giving back for things like that. And we wish you all the best of luck in your upcoming fight. Once again, this is Benil Dariush. He fights Drew Dober at UFC on ESPN Plus 4 in Wichita on March 9th. Benil, we thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, brother. And those interviews with Benil Dariush and Bagoye Vanoff are brought to you by Maroon. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon is the first and only BJJ tracking app that allows you to see what your friends are doing, to keep tabs on what you're doing, and to make sure that you are progressing in jiu-jitsu the way that you want to. Look, we all sometimes need that little push, that little shove in the right direction to make sure that we are training often enough, and Maroon is that little shove. Look, uh, a month ago, or two months ago rather, I uh, downloaded the Maroon app, I started plugging in my information. You put your belt level, where you train, all that kind of good stuff in there. 
And then you start to track your different training. So if you go to your gym, you put in that today we worked on side control offense. I worked on some Kimuras. I did some triangle choke stuff. You put it all in there. You get some notes. And it tracks how many times you train a month with a nice little like heat target map of all the days. Plus month to month, it lets you know if you're training more this month or less this month so that you can reach your goals and you can push yourself to achieve more. It's an awesome way to track it all. Plus, you can see what your friends are doing. Plus, you can comment on what your friends are doing. You can do weigh-ins. You can put your competitions in there. There's so many different features. So if you love jiu-jitsu as much as I do, download the Maroon app. You can get it on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your apps. I, of course, am Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with my co-host now, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, Let's talk about Benil Dariush first. Look, the dude was inching towards the title shot just a few years ago. He beat freaking Jim Miller, Michael Johnson, and he KO James Vick. Uh, so he, it, that, that was followed up by some like unfortunate losses, but I think it's good to see him back on track, and he seems pretty super focused uh, before this one with Drew Dover. Yeah, you know what, Gumby? Benil Dariush has one of the more interesting stories in current UFC. He's one of those guys, once heralded as a former prospect, you know, he reeled off five wins in a row with wins over Jim Miller, Michael Johnson, Tony Martin, Darren Cruikshank. Benil Darouche felt like a potential future champion, you know, four, five years ago, and then the fall off. And I like what I heard in that interview with you. This is it. Like, this is it right now. He needs to put the run together or it's just never going to happen. And I'm super excited to see where he goes. Yeah, and I think a match with Drew Dober is a good one, too, because I think Drew Dober uh, poses a lot of interesting challenges, so it's going to bring up the best of them. You know, like his last opponent, Tiago Moises, not, not necessarily a huge challenge, but Drew Dober is a tough out. Absolutely. Well, let's move on here. We like to keep the show moving, chugging along like the little engine that can. We're going to move to our favorite segment on the podcast. Well, tied for our favorite segment on the podcast. It's Fastest Fight News. We deliver the news to you in 15 minutes or less, or the podcast is free. Gumby, let's start with the fallout. The fallout of UFC 235. We'll go through it in rapid-fire fashion. If you don't know by now, where have you been? But Kamari Usman put on a fucking cl-cl-cl-clinic against Tyron Woodley, who was going for his fifth title defense in a row. Talk of Woodley being the greatest of all time, which was obviously a little premature because he wasn't going to be better than GSP, even with that title defense. Certainly in the conversation for number two, Usman puts a huge stop to that Gumby. Unanimous decision win, 50-44, on scorecards. What do you think of the performance, and what do you think of the aftermath with the pro wrestling angle of him versus Colby Covington. So, first of all, I'll start with the fight itself. First, I, I didn't have it 50-44 or 50-45. I had it 50-43 because I had a 10-8 round for him in the second and the fourth. Uh, it was an absolute beatdown. I saw on Twitter, I wish I could give credit to the person who put the number up there, but I can't remember who said it, that this was the biggest strike differential in title fight, not welterweight title fight, title fight history with plus 276 strikes for Usman. And that is just one of the most ridiculous differentials I've ever seen. And that alone, along with the stuff that happened afterwards, I think makes it obvious that Usman fights Colby Covington next and Woodley doesn't get a rematch. You know, you can say what you want about, like, Dana having it out for for Woodley to begin with. But even if he didn't have it out for Woodley, who here would be geared up to watch Woodley try that again? 
Well, I got to say, from everything I know about Tyron Woodley, and I thought, you know, we're not breaking anything new down here three days later. Joe Rogan on his podcast, I thought, had a great point. You know, Woodley couldn't control the pace of the fight. He's normally the one that controls the pace, and that's what you get. Usman just put it on him for 25 minutes with a busted foot, mind you, yeah, if the rumors crazy, are to be true. Right? When that came out, I could not <laughs> be- They got a picture of him in a fucking walking boot like two nights before. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine it. I mean, I stub my toe before I go to jiu-jitsu, and I'm, like, <laughs> barking about it that whole that whole night. Uh, no, but, you know, I think I think it was an off night for Woodley, to be quite honest with you. I've never seen him like that. That's a jiu-jitsu black belt. Again, Joe Hogan brought this up on his, his podcast, as the Brazilians might call him. To see him hold on to that guillotine when it obviously wasn't there, that wasn't the move of a black belt. It wasn't the move of a champion of Woodley. I don't know if he was injured and he's just not making the excuses. I wouldn't, I'll tell you right now, I know Woodley's not going to get the rematch. I wouldn't mind seeing the rematch again just to see if that really is the true 10 out of 10 times outcome. Yeah. I don't think it's the 10 out of 10 times outcome. I don't, I don't think but so. But I do, yeah, I, but I do think Usman beats him, you know, 7 out of 10, yeah, 8 I, out of 10. I, I think if, but you could easily like send Woodley down to like knock off a title challenger get him out of the mm-hmm. way and just have him fight the winner of Usman and Covington. Cause like, you know, like Santiago Ponzinibbio is like knocking at the door in the division. Like he's probably not a legit title challenger. Go have Woodley knock him off. So Usman doesn't have to, and then set up the rematch. I don't want to trigger anyone. Yes. The UFC is a sport. Yes. It's a fight, but they're also storytellers. Oh. And you know, what makes a pretty, you know, it makes a pretty good story. What you just said, Woodley goes down beats up Jorge Masvidal, beats up who he's not going to do Wonder Boy, he's not going to do Till, but whoever. Uh, and then later this year, he fights Usman as the guy who never got the respect he deserved, mm-hmm. coming back for the title that was taken from him. I mean, you know, people would watch it. I, I don't think it's going to break pay-per-view records, but they could tell a nice story there. I'll tell you this, though, and it ties into talking about Anthony Smith and John Jones. We now have, I believe, true turnover in two divisions right now. Uh, at 205, you know, the Glovers of the world and the Gusses, they had their chance against Jones and they lost. Cormier, he moved up to heavyweight after really also having his chance against Jones and not getting it done, even though he had the title reign after Jones popped for whatever he popped for. Picograms, uh, but that all being said, you have turnover at 205 now. Smith, listen, he got beat by John Jones. Everyone does. But I got to say, I thought he put up a better fight than Gustafsson did two months ago. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing the development of Smith. He could go down, fight some other people, come back. Uh, you have Johnny Walker. We all saw his performance. There is turnover at 205. And for the first time in what feels like years, there's t- turnover at welterweight. Yep. At the, the division now, Usman, the champion, Till is always up there. Even Wonder Boy is a tough day at the office for anyone. Uh, Askren is now in the UFC, and we could talk about that in a second, but the UFC has turned over two divisions, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and if you're looking at the bottom of the welterweight rankings, too, down around 15, 
Um, there is a lot of, like, newcomers to the Division 2, or guys who haven't been getting the respect. Like, Vicente Luque just came off that huge victory over Brian Barberena. You got Jeff Neal out of Fortis MMA, who just made it into the rankings. You got Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos, who's just outside of the rankings and has won fucking six in a row in his fighting, not this weekend coming up, but the weekend after. There's a lot of possibility in the bottom of that division for talent too. And, and you know, you mentioned some of those guys at 205. You didn't mention Tiago Santos or Dominic Reyes, who are both undefeated at light heavyweight and looking like badasses too. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, I think that's very interesting. I think we're going into, <laughs> I don't know what to call the era, um, but we're out of Connor Ronda, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, we're definitely out of Connor Ronda. <laughs> we're definitely out of Connor Ronda. And the 2013 to 2016-ish champions, Mighty Mouse, isn't even in the UFC anymore. How fucking crazy is that yeah, not... after 11 title defenses? Mighty Mouse isn't in the UFC. Woodley brought stability. No one thought he was going to beat Lawler. He beats Lawler. He reels off four or five title defenses in a row. He brought stability to welterweight. Now Usman's there. It's a turnover. And then you look at uh, Khabib and DC, and you know that both of those guys are not long for this world. You're going to have turnover at heavyweight. You're going to have turnover at 155 soon. So I really think the roster's kind of turning over right now, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and it's sort of exciting to see it that way, too. Um, I-, I would be more excited if we got to see a little bit more turnover at heavyweight. Because it seems like that's the most stagnant one right now. Um, you know, like, I, I was looking at, at people who might, like, nip at the bottom of the top 15, and you got a, a matchup this weekend that will probably have somebody crack the rankings. You got Blagoy Ivanov, who's 0-1 and like, 32 years old in the UFC, versus coming off of two years, Ben Rothwell. You know, like, that's the that's the new crack to the top 15 at heavyweight. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's definitely a ton of turnover. But, like, there are a couple of divisions that are kind of stagnant still. Uh, well, we'll wrap on this. Speaking of 170 pounds, Askren with the, uh, of course, controversial debut because it's Ben Askren. <laughs> Bulldog choke, uh, as called by Herb Dean on Robbie Lawler. I understand where Herb Dean was coming from it. I don't want to get so much into that. What I'd rather hear your take on Gumby is where do you go right now with Askren and Lawler? So I I will first of all add in the fact that I don't think Lawler was out because that's going to help me justify what I'm about to say. I don't think that Lawler was out, but at the same exact time, I don't want to see him matched up again. Uh, I think we saw a little bit of it. There's, we could see it again. I don't think it does anything for either of them to fight each other again. Um, Lawler handled it like a champ. Askren didn't make a big deal out of it. You know, like match Askren up with, you know, I know he's calling for the, the Darren Till fight. I know Till's got a fight in, not this weekend, but next weekend in London. You know, you could give him the winner of that fight. You could give him somebody like Gunnar Nelson coming off of a win. You know, like he's there for fun fights. And I know he said he wouldn't take a title fight unless it he had Woodley's blessing, which is kind of bizarre. Um, and, and as far as is Lawler, I mean, like, look, Lawler has fun fights anywhere he goes. Um, so there's plenty left to give him. You know, he, he could fight Wonder Boy. I'd, I'd watch him fight Wonder Boy. Um, Anthony Pettis moved up to the Division Two fight Wonder Boy if he somehow managed to beat Wonder Boy. A fucking Pettis versus Lawler sounds fucking fun to me. Yeah, absolutely. I'd take my money now. Why not? Yep. <laughs> All right, so Gumby, 
uh, I actually have a bit of a surprise for you. Oh. We're going to go off script here, and I want to give you an update to something that you probably forgot about. Oh, no. Back back in August of 2016, on this very <laughs> podcast, Top Turtle MMA, and That's don't forget to follow ago. our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA, don't forget to follow it, uh, you and I did a champions draft. Oh, Jesus so we Christ. took the champions <laughs> at the time, we drafted them, and then whoever would rack up more title defenses would be the winner. So we're actually not done with it, but we're getting down to the wire, and I wanted to give you and the fans the update. So on Team Gumby, you had Joanna Jacek, who gave you, well, she gave you two title defenses. Okay. You had Daniel Cormier, who gave you one title defense against mm. Anthony Rumble Johnson, because then if you Light remember, yeah. right, and then he lost it to Jones, and of course got it awarded back, but we only count the one yeah. title defense before losing to Jones. You had Dominic Cruz and Connor, who gave you zero. Connor, of course, stripped. (laughs) Cruz lost to Garbrandt. But you had a very interesting pick. You picked Amanda Nunes. And she has given three title defenses and running. So you have the only active champion still. So your score right now stands at six. I had Mighty Mouse. He gave me three in Elliott Borg and Race. Then, of course, lost to uh, Cejudo. He's not even in the UFC anymore. I had Eddie Alvarez, who promptly lost to Connor and never <laughs> even had a title defense. I had Stipe, who set the record and gave me three title defenses before losing to Cormier. I had Woodley, who surprisingly gave me three title defenses, Wonderboy, Maya, and Till, before losing last weekend. And I had motherfucking Michael Bisping, who gave me one title defense. <laughs> Dan against Anderson. senior citizen Dan Henderson. So I ended up with a score of nine. You right now have six, but you have Noons. So if Noons defends four more times, you're golden. Ooh. You win. Four more times is a big ask. <laughs> it is. So Ooh. we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, that is our champion's draft. Nice. It was not brought to you anyone by anyone because it wasn't really a real segment. <laughs> but what is a real segment, our other favorite segment on the show, is, of course, the Combat Countdown. Gumby, I know you're ready for the Combat Countdown. I hope the fans are. But can you tell us, does any company bring us this Combat Countdown? Yes, the Combat Countdown is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. Head to SISUGuard.com for the only mouthguard where you can talk, breathe, and drink all with the mouthguard up in your mouth. Don't forget, when you're at checkout, to use promo code TOPTURTLE15 for 15% off your entire order on CC. So get yourself a mouth guard for you, your loved one, and the rest of your family. These things are feats of science. All right, so this is a little awkward. I don't mean to correct you. We're taping here live. Never want to put my co-host in a bad light, but you made a mistake, Gumby. I'm sorry. It's not Top Turtle 15, right? It's Top Turtle 5. They get a 5% discount? No, it is 15 whole percent off. You're going to get 15% off their mouth guard. That is a huge discount, and it's definitely well worth it when you know the quality of this product and the fact that you don't have to put your dirty hands all over your mouth guard because you can talk, breathe, and drink with it in your mouth. Well, slap me silly and call me Sally. That is just gangbusters. Top Turtle 15, enter in the promo code at Sisu on their website and get yourself 15% off. Of course, this week's Combat Countdown is inspired by Faraz Zahabi said that he could see GSP <laughs> unretiring. He, of course, retired last week. Big press conference. Love Faraz. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge GSP fanboy. Also a big fanboy of Faraz. So when he says this, we take it seriously. So 
you know, really GSP retired uh, at November of 2013. He beat Johnny Hendricks controversially, retired for four years, though he never said he was retired. But for all intents and purposes, he was retired. If you're into conspiracy theories, people said he knocked up some girl and had a kid. and Or was, was on the sauce. L- right. So, anywho, now he's officially retired, but they're teasing us, Gumby. They're saying he might come back. So we thought, and we threw it out to our fans on our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA, who would be the perfect opponent to bring GSP out of his one-week-old retirement? Who would be the perfect opponent for that last fight to really send GSP off into the sunset. Not that choking out Michael Bisping at MSG was an epic, but we kind of want to see it one more time. So, as brought to you by CSU Mouthguards, let's go with the top five potential opponents for GSP. This is our list with feedback submitted by our fans at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. Here we go. Number five, it's the new 170 champ, Kamari Usman. Yeah, it's hard to, to make this list without including the 170-pound champ, right? Like, GSP is the 170-pound GOAT, whether Woodley thinks he still is or not, uh, and whether Usman thinks he has a claim to it because he's now the champ and beat him. Like, GSP will will for a very long time be in that GOAT consideration. There would have to be some amazing thing to happen otherwise. So, you got to put the 170-pound champ so you can see him go back and get the title that was always his uh, really when you consider it. And plus, Usman is a fun stylistic matchup, right? Like, don't you want to uh, see somebody try to maul him in a wrestling match? Yes. I. You know, what's actually funny about it, and probably a little depressing, as a man in his mid, almost late 30s, much like GSP, I the pace of Usman, I feel like would be too much for GSP. Maybe in GSP's prime, okay, different story. But right now, I mean, my God, I don't know, man. I don't even know if I want to see that. Because I don't want to see my hero get mauled by a bear, much like Tyron Woodley did this past weekend. Speaking of up-and-coming young bucks in their prime, number four is an interesting one. It'd be back up at middleweight, which we saw GSP do. He was champion for 17 days there, LOL. Number four, Israel Adesanya. Yeah, I want to see this mostly because uh, I wanted to put Anderson Silva on this list because it's the fight we never got. However, Anderson Silva is a shell of himself. Uh, and Israelite Desanya is everything we wanted to see about GSP versus Anderson Silva that we never got. Right? Like, he is a flashy, creative striker against a technician who grapples like a fucking animal. And we want to know if the smaller grappler can get down the bigger striker before he lands his flashy shit. Like... Uh, obviously, there's still questions out about whether or not Israel Adesanya has the takedown defense, but really that question was there for for Anderson Silva too, right? Like, didn't Shale Sonnen bring that up in the first place? So, um, I think that this matchup is like a throwback to what we always wanted out of GSP, and with like another big win or two, Israel Adesanya's name is gonna be as big as anybody in the UFC. So it could be that big matchup for GSP. Yeah, what I really, I, one, I love the styles clash, like you said, and I also like the potential star making performance. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how, to borrow a little bit from pro wrestling, they got over Randy Orton in his early days as the quote unquote legend killer. Yeah. Just line him fucking up for Israel Adesanya. He yeah. just beat Silva, let him be fucking GSP, get Nate Diaz out of mothballs <laughs> and let Adesanya just fucking tornado him to death with a flurry of punches. You've now built the biggest star in the UFC mm-hmm. off those wins just because of the household names. Anyway, if that's a Styles clash, this one, I guess 
it's strength for strength, although GSP is so multidimensional and good everywhere. Number three is a man who's really very one-dimensional, but that one dimension he's quite good at. I'm, of course, talking about Ben Askren and his wrestling prowess. Yeah, and I think this one is similar to the Usman matchup in that I do want to see if anybody can take down GSP and fight him that way. I actually think that this stylistically is less intriguing as the Kamara Usman match, but I think the buildup almost becomes better, right? Like in in GSP's matchups, uh, he, he's an awful trash talker, but somehow the pre-fight lead-ups are always really entertaining, right? Like the Diaz lead-up was kind of fun. Like the Hughes lead-up was kind of fun. I think Askren could bring that back, right? Like Askren is wouldn't be afraid to talk a little shit to GSP. Um, and, and, you know, Askren is that type of guy who is going to make the lead up to a fight feel big. Uh, so I, I sort of like that along with the fact that you are getting that wrestler versus wrestler matchup. And I think where, uh, GSP wins this, not just, you know, being so multidimensional, whereas Askren is not, his boxing is striking mm-hmm. so much better than Askren's. Yeah, I mean, it would almost be like when he, it would almost be like when he beat Josh Koscheck and everybody was like, Koscheck's a killer. Now Koscheck's not the wrestler that Ben Askren is, but it would be that same thing where everybody's like, Koscheck's a beast wrestler, and then you're like, yeah, but he can't get him down, and he's going to get his face peppered. Exactly. Well, uh, you know, it's funny. We have, I believe, and you could hit us up on the Twitter feed at Top Turtle MMA if you hate our list or if you support and love our list, number two is probably the easiest fight for GSP. <laughs> undoubtedly. But it makes, undoubtedly, but it makes the most sense from a business and an excitement standpoint. So I stand behind the fact that we put this uh, fighter at number two, and I, of course, am talking about Na-Na-Na-Tuh. Conor McGregor. Yeah, so uh, I think you have to put him up here for all the reasons you said. You pretty much took all my rationale away. But the idea that, like, this fight would be bigger than anything, right? Like, this is a million-dollar pay-per-view if they – or a million-buy pay-per-view. Not a million-dollar pay-per-view. million-buy pay-per-view. Easy to me. Because Conor somehow is still bigger than Habib is. Connor is bigger than just about anything in the UFC, including Dana White right now. So when you pair him with maybe the greatest fighter that ever lived, and you put it on pay-per-view as a headliner, you can make it for a title, you can make it not for a title. Regardless, it sells like crazy. So I think this one is more on there from a business standpoint. GSP takes him down at will and mauls him wherever he wants. But that being said, it would be fucking so exciting. All right, we've made it. Uh, let's just rewind real quick. Top five potential opponents for GSP. If he were to come out of this retirement, which is only a week old, Kamari Usman at number five, the current 170-pound champ, against the GOAT 170 all-time greatest champ. Number four, Israel Adesanya, up-and-coming, flashy striker at 185. Well, hey, GSP, he was the 185 champion for 17 days. Would be a fun styles clash. Number three, you have the shit-talking of Ben Askren, the fact that he was kind of the best guy outside the UFC while GSP was inside the UFC, best guy there, potential GOAT, and it would just make for a good build. Number two, just from a business standpoint, from an entertainment standpoint, from seeing two people that could be on Mount Rushmore fight each other, it's Connor. But number one, and it's number one by a mile, and it just makes so much sense and would be so fucking cool it's the eagle, Habib Nurmagomedov. Yeah, so for this one, uh, it's almost like you squeeze 
Usman and Askren into one thing, right? Like, for me, <laughs> Habib brings a little bit more of the hype like you would get from Askren. Maybe not in the same way that Askren doesn't, but, like, you know, it won't be, like, pure shit-talking, but it would be... He's got a little bit more hype around him than Usman does. While also, at the same time, I think he has more tools and more relentlessness similar to Usman, right? Like, he is been better at just straight up mauling people whereas like Askren had trouble with Robbie Lawler right like he got slammed on his fucking head whereas like could you Mm -hmm. imagine anybody slamming Usman on his head no he's got some kind of relentless crazy ass cardio and he's like he looks like he wrestled the bear too so like Habib has that going so it's a little bit of the hype of Askren a little bit of the skills of Usman and like the relentlessness of Usman and it just makes for such an interesting style matchup. I do think the interesting part of that, too, is the size of them. Because I think GSP is, like, a... I mean, I know he's a division up, but, like, not all that significant of a size advantage when it comes down to it. I think this matchup is the matchup that GSP and Faraz are talking about when they said we would need something big to come out of retirement. Yeah, and I think the rumor and innuendo, to borrow a phrase from uh, Bruce Pritchard, if you're a wrestling fan, I think the rumor and innuendo is that they were working on that fight, but then it just couldn't come together. Habib couldn't fight because of his suspension. Habib the ball. for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the fans want it. So, I don't know. I don't trust anything in this world. Uh, I don't know if this was like, I don't think he went through the whole rigmarole of retiring with a press conference for a negotiation tactic but I don't know that he is a heart is a hundred percent into it. If he was trying to negotiate, trying to negotiate for that Habib fight as he was doing this retirement, I can legitimately see this fight happening. This would be the fight that actually brings him back. It's why it's number one. And just from a stylistic standpoint, you know, again, Habib's a great wrestler, also not an awful striker. And he kind of has a, he kind of has a similar striking style to George where it's very like jab heavy, but then I'm going to take you down at will and maul you. It's, it's <laughs> used to open up the grappling. That's what it's, it's, it's competent exactly. enough so that it makes you think about it long enough so that you forget about the grappling. And of course, GSP does more kicks. Yeah. I don't think Habib's ever done a kick in his life. <laughs> uh, so again, GSP is the greatest of all time at mixing and matching him and John Jones, I yeah. should say are the greatest at being all-around mixed martial artists. I also love the fact that Habib is undefeated, uh, so GSP could be the first guy to give him his lo- his first loss. How fucking and epic I also would that love be? <laughs> how fucking epic would that be? And then coming off of all the controversy, and I said this at the time, all the controversy of 20, was it 206? When did he fight Connor? Oh, shit, I don't know the number. <laughs> yeah, I always get fucking confused with the numbers. Uh, anyway, no, it couldn't have been 206, because we were just at 235. Was it 216? I'll get the intern on it. But the point being, that pay-per-view ended in such controversy. Mm-hmm. With Habib, they didn't even want to give him the title, because they thought fans would pelt the ring. There's something about stoic, all-around good guy GSP <laughs> coming in to be like the knight in white shining armor to face Habib, who's kind of a bit of a heel right yeah. now, at least to Connor fans, at least to the way that pay-per-view ended. I don't know. I just love it, and I think it would be an awesome fight. So that wraps up our combat countdown. We hope you enjoyed it. Hit us up on our Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. Let us know what you think. Let's move on to our other favorite segment, Tide, for our favorite segment on the show, 
It's the UFC breakdown. This week they're in Wichita. Poor them. But Gumby, does any fine company sponsor this UFC in Wichita breakdown? Well, of course, this UFC in Wichita breakdown is brought to you by Sheath Underwear. Go to sheathunderwear.com, use promo code FLOFLOW for 20% off your whole order there. Sheath Underwear is changing the underwear game. It is, without a doubt, the most comfortable underwear to make sure sure you are wearing when you're doing physical activity because let me tell you something if you're doing physical activity in boxers you are not supported if you're doing them in briefs you're probably being crushed sheath has a innovative front pocket that promotes airflow while giving your guys the support they need so that you don't feel like you're flopping all over the place plus it's antimicrobial so that you're staying nice and fresh down there as well check them out at sheathunderwear.com. So I'm going to go over my three favorite fights fights from UFC in Wichita. First, I want to talk about the main event. I'm taking Junior Dos Santos. He's a negative 225 favorite over Derek Lewis at plus 185. I think the odds make a lot of sense, even though Derek Lewis is ranked way higher. Uh, you know, Dos Anjos, JDS is just way, way, way too skilled on the feet, and I don't see him slipping into doing something dumb and getting tagged like Derek Lewis uh, tends to do, you know, like he did against Alexander Volkov. JDS is much more composed. JDS is is way smarter than that. So I'm going with JDS. Uh, I'm taking another Dos Santos in the second fight. Uh, Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos over Curtis Millinder. It's a pick 'em fight right now. Both are betting off at negative 155 or 115 rather, not 155, 115. Uh, I like Zaleski's uh, creativity on the feet. Look, Millinder's got great knees. He works really great from the clinch. I just think he's probably not going to be get, able to get in on Zaleski. Dos Santos quite the way he needs to in order to implement that. And then for the third one, I'm going with Big Ben Rothwell over Blagoy Ivanov, friend of the show, Blagoy Ivanov, I know. But Rothwell betting off at a plus 110 underdog to Blagoy Ivanov's negative 125 favorite. I, I like Rothwell here because, look, uh, we're ignoring, in order to make him an underdog, we're ignoring this huge wealth of wins he has over people like Josh Barnett and Alistair Overeem. Yeah, like he's coming off a two-year layoff, but you can't discount those wins. So, as a recap, I'm taking Junior Dos Santos over Derek Lewis, Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos over Curtis Millinder, and Ben Rothwell over Blagoy Ivanov. And this will do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA. We want to thank our sponsor sponsors for supporting us adk fightwear maroon social and sheath underwear as well as sisu mouthguards we also want to thank flow combat for having us on each and every week and we want to remind you to follow them on twitter at flow combat and us on twitter at top turtle mma and that uh if you go there you're going to check out some really cool new trivia as well as uh, a couple of giveaways that we do fairly regularly so check us out there i was daniel gumby Vreeland. he is shockwave dave tremonte and we We'll catch you next week. Yo, we interrupt this regularly scheduled program for a TMZ Top Turtle breaking news update. We, due to an editing snafu, have to give you our second interview of the day now at the end of the show. So we hope you enjoy a little bonus content from us. It is an interview Gumby did with Blagoy Ivanovov. I don't think I pronounced that right, but enjoy. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Bogoy Ivanov, who fights Ben Rothwell at UFC on ESPN Plus 4 in Wichita on March 9th. Now, you're starting off your UFC career by fighting Junior Dos Santos and then Ben Rothwell, which are two just absolute killers. What are your thoughts on the UFC starting you off with such a tough pair of fights? 
So yeah, it was a pleasure to fight with uh, Dos Santos. First fight with uh, one of the best guy, and now Rodwell. So it's so this is the why I'm there. I want to fight with the best guys. Yeah, and you certainly did start with one of the best guys, and and you know it, it was a tough fight. You took him to a decision. Do you feel like you learned something from a fight with with a guy like that? Yeah, I learned a lot. So it was 25 minutes fight, tough fight. So all the time when you stay like 25 minutes at the cage, you learn a lot. Mm-hmm. And was so there... it's a good experience for me. Yeah, was there something in particular that you felt like you took away from it? Was there there's something about being in the UFC cage for the first time? Uh, so it's yeah, it was like I the was high to I got some uh, injury in my first fight, so now I'm now I'm getting better, and I think I'll be like in a better shape, and uh, like I think this fight will be I'll feel much better than than last one. Well, and yeah, and this fight is, you know, obviously Rothwell not quite the same talent as Junior Dos Santos, but he's also a guy who's pretty tough to prepare for because he hasn't fought in three years. How how are you preparing for a guy who who doesn't have a recent fight, really? So yeah, this uh, he didn't fight like three years, but it's not good for him. So I think this the uh, will be will be good for me. He's missing like three years, mm-hmm. but. So I have to be careful with this guy because he's he's very tough guy. He's a heavyweight, and you know the one punch change everything. So the heavyweight, you have to be focused all the time. Absolutely. And now you know he, he took two of those years off due to a suspension based on steroid usage uh, that you know Usada popped him for for two years. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, do you have any opinions about fighting a guy coming off a suspension like that? So yeah, I, so I was thinking why they give me all the uh, time to fight with the guys like suspension, but so it's you know it's uh, I have to be ready for them. So I don't care about the if they take the something or. They're clean, so I have to be ready 100%. It doesn't matter if it takes something. Yep, absolutely. And do, do you have sort of a prediction for the fight? Do you expect this one to stay standing? How do you expect to walk away with the victory here? Oh, so, yeah, I expect maybe it will be a good decision, so you never know. But I'm ready for uh, three rounds. So, I don't know. We'll see on the ninth. Absolutely. And now, look, looking back at your record, I was wondering if we could get one story out of you here, too. So, I look back at your record. You got a no contest on your record against Ilir Latifi, in which the official record states, no contest due to the ring breaking. Can you elaborate just yeah, how the it? ring broke? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, just, uh, was the, fight, the fight was starting, and then, uh, like, the second uh second minute we start clinching and uh the the ring broke and 
they can couldn't fix, and uh, so they stopped the fight. No count. What was it? Was it something about the base of the ring? Was it the ropes of the ring? What? What exactly? Yeah. What part of the no, ring? No, no, the the corner base. The corner side was broke. Wow. Okay. So yeah, I guess when you get two yeah. guys as big as you two in there, especially at a regional promotion, yeah. anything can so, happen. So, but it was good because it was the main event, and no more fights after us. So <laughs> <laughs> just the the event finish. So, yeah, so at least they well, only then. at least they only missed your fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Blagoy, we want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us once again. This was Blagoy Ivanov, who fights Ben Rothwell at UFC on ESPN Plus okay. in Wichita on March 9th. Thanks again for the time, Blagoy. Thank you. Thank you.